You are listening to Unrepresented, a podcast brought to you by Latinitas that explores issues of representation in public leadership, business, and nonprofits. Today, we welcome Jennifer Harrell for a conversation with the importance of bilingual education. This episode is sponsored by Sirius Logic. Sirius Logic is a leader in low-power, high-precision mixed signal processing solutions that create innovative user experiences for the world's top mobile and consumer applications. Let's build something new together. Learn more at www.sirius.com. Jennifer has been an educator for 20 years in the Central Texas area. She has served as a dual language instructional coach, has taught first through fifth grade dual language, sixth through 12th Spanish, and upper level ESL courses. She is currently a dual language interventionist at Blue Bonnet Elementary in Round Rock ISD and holds a bachelor's and master's in bilingual education. She is married and has two children, both of which are a part of Round Rock ISD dual language program. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, thank you, Liliana. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Jennifer, let's dive right in. I know your native language is English. So what led you to become a passionate advocate and educator of bilingual education? So my, my story is a little different than most dual language educators, um, but I grew up in Ailey in Southwest Houston, and it's a very multicultural area. Um, and most of my friends were, were bilingual, Spanish-speaking, came from um, Spanish-speaking homes. My dad also worked for a candle company that had a factory in Monterrey. So he emphasized the importance of bilingual from being bilingual from a really young age. So I took um, summer camps and courses at, at actually at our, our local church, taught some Spanish courses that I took as a child. I was, of course, not fluent, but I was exposed at a very young age. And I knew that being bilingual was important. And really, for me, it was like a social part. Like I wanted to be able to talk to my friends and parents and I wanted to go on trips with them and I wanted to do all these things that um, I felt like I wanted to be more a part of, of their culture as well and really that's when my love for learning languages began like from kindergarten I was like I want to be able to talk to my best friend's parents and so growing up in in such a, a diverse part of Houston um, I really started like as soon as I could I want to take language classes and I want to be fluent in Spanish um, I loved school. I still love learning. Um, it's definitely been, um, you know, teachers, we're, we're all naturally tend to be kids that love school. Um, and so when I took courses, I felt like the language courses were like the most challenging in the, in the best way. So um, when I started taking Spanish in middle school and then in high school, um, they were my favorite. I just loved them so much. And so as soon as I could get to college, I couldn't wait to become a part of a study abroad program. Now, um, I also had a real passion for education. And so when I started thinking about marrying my two passions of language and education, and then I saw the need. So in my generation, I was born in, in 1980. Um, kids that spoke Spanish at home, unfortunately, didn't get to use their Spanish at school. And they weren't being supported. And a lot of kids my age actually lost their Spanish growing up. They might speak it a little bit with their grandparents, but really they weren't getting to flourish. And I thought, wow, that's so sad. I'm fighting to learn Spanish and they're losing their Spanish. And then I saw that some of my friends that were way smarter than me, their knowledge wasn't being honored in our school system. They, there weren't courses for them. There weren't native speakers courses. 
there weren't upper level Spanish even in my high school. And so I felt like there is a need there and I can marry my two loves of language and education and really make a difference. I know that sounds maybe a little silly, but for my 18 year old heart and starting off in college, this was like the best plan. And of course, there have been bumps along the way and I have come across uh, stumbling blocks in our education system that we are still fighting till now, but I know that we are on the right path and we are really creating a better educational pathway for our bilingual students. Uh, actually in our monolingual students that want to participate in our bilingual uh, programs. Yeah. So that's really the way I went. Um, I also was, was fortunate enough to get a grant from the state for my last two years of college if I committed to teaching in a Title I school and serving ESL students. So that, of course, financially encouraged me to, to go down that path. And I have been in Title I schools serving English learners ever since. So it definitely was the right choice for me. I did study in Guanajuato, Mexico at the university there. And then uh, when I graduated, I was able to get a job as a nanny in Spain. So I've been fortunate enough to live in two very different cultures and experience Spanish in two very different ways. Um, and that's been so fun to share with my students. Um, they love to hear how to say things with a Castilian accent and they love to, to learn some of the slang from Spain. So that's definitely my journey. I, I feel like it has put me on the right path. And although it's very a very different uh, feeling, I got to experience what some of our English language learners experience because when I sat in that classroom, at the University of Guanajuato, I too was in my silent period and I was hoping to understand what was going on and I was barely getting by with a C. So I feel like that was a great experience for me because I was able to take that back with me. And as a teacher, I can really relate to kids. I'll tell them, I know what that feels like, I remember. And hopefully that helps me to, um, to really connect with them better. That's true. So you started, you, you were originally first immersed in Spanish when, when in college, right? So, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's very impressive because your, your Spanish is very fluent. So <laughs> you've done a really great job learning, learning Spanish. Thank you. I have always made sure that whatever position I'm in, I'm able to use Spanish every single day because I am afraid that if I didn't, I, I may not be able to keep it the level it is. Also something that I know, I'm sure you do as well with, with your bilingual family is, you know, I try to, to watch as much TV, we listen to the radio, we listen to music, really immersing ourselves just daily so that um, our whole family can, can keep our Spanish going, you know? It is just like anything, got to put in the work, right? <laughs> yes, um, all, all Disney movies in our house have to be watched, ah. both English and Spanish, so <laughs> That's great. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great um, to know. And it's really, how blessed are you, right? That you're, you've been able to marry your both, both of your passions yeah. and just, um, and it's really refreshing to find people like you that have that joy and that love for education, because that is what we need in the education system today. And those, those people that, you know, it, it's just, I know it's, it's a, it's a tired battle right now, but yeah. you guys are doing so great, <laughs> especially in the dual language program. I, Everybody I meet that works in dual language just has a special passion yes. and they're just cheerleaders for, for the program. So you're definitely doing a really great job. Thank you. We do have a special bond, dual language educators. I mean, we, th there's just this underlying passion for advocation and for, for representing the underrepresented that just bonds us together like family. I mean, really, I, I have seen that in Round Dark ISD especially. We're very close and we mm -hmm. support each other. 
Yeah, it really does. I know because my kids were in the program and yeah. it really felt, it really felt like a family and, mm-hmm. and it just felt like there was a, a true love from the teachers uh, to the towards yeah. their students. And that was very refreshing, refreshing to see, definitely. Um, yeah. So there has been a recent increase of um, families and, and just districts interested in starting um, children off in early immersion. Mm-hmm of a second language, whether it be dual language or just a bilingual program, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen more and more districts adapting dual language programs in their schools and parents opting into these programs. So why do you think that in that increase of interest is? Yeah, I think there's there's two sides to that coin, right? So we have parents um, like me that maybe are English speaking at home and they're seeing the benefits for their children in the future. So they're seeing my children can get better jobs, there's stipends for positions, they're able to um, travel more, maybe communicate with family members that, that might only speak Spanish. Often some of our Hispanic families that perhaps aren't Spanish speaking, you know, they may be third, fourth generation, but they really want their kids to have that connection with their culture and their family. So we have that side of it that are seeing the benefits for their kids, right? And they're seeing, like anything, they're seeing the product of dual language. They have friends that have kids in dual language. They they hear about it. They they get the you know that positive spin on oh I hear this kiddo is already speaking Spanish. He's only seven. Wow, I want my kiddo to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think with anything, parents take comfort in in it being not brand new. And they've seen that the program has been successful and that it's been around a while. And so they're feeling more comfortable in enrolling their kiddos in that program. And then the other side, we're seeing our Spanish speaking families that. In the past, in our generation, I would say, their kids were in programs that were called bilingual education or ESL, and they were considered a remedial. They were saying, your child doesn't have enough English, so we have to put them in this class. Mm-hmm. And now our classes, our dual language programs are, are an enrichment program. We're not saying that you're remedial. We're saying we're going to offer you even more than the monolingual classrooms. Mm-hmm. You're going to get all of that plus a second language. And that shift, that mind shift, and instead of subtracting, we're going to take away your native language and replace it with English. We're saying we're going to take this native language of Spanish and enhance it, and then we're going to also add in the English. So I think there's that that combination of I'm seeing a program that's enrichment, and, and it's going to add for my kids, and I'm seeing teachers' kids go into the program, principals' kids go into the program. I'm feeling more confident about that more people that that know education are choosing this for their own families. And then also, you know, our English speaking families that are like, oh, I see that being bilingual would really benefit them. I don't know how many times parents tell me, if only I spoke Spanish, you know, I would get, I could get this position or I could get this extra pay or mm-hmm. I could do this or that. And they really want that for their kids. So it definitely is a, um, a, a change in the, the mindset of, of our parents now. I know that a lot of my friends, so that would be people that are in their 40s, their parents were afraid of putting their kids in this kind of program because there were so many myths out there that they would have an accent, that they wouldn't learn English, that they wouldn't be successful in school. All of these myths that we've had to Mm -hmm. dispel and prove that are not true anymore. And that's not the case. They never were true, but we really had to show that. And now we have products of dual language that are so successful and doing well. And I think parents are have more trust in the program now. Definitely. I mean, the more you know, the more you you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's great. Yeah, and I think about yeah, you and I even you know choosing that for our own children. We know because we're both bilingual the benefits of it for our own kiddos. But then I think 
people seeing us being that you ran a daycare and I, you know, I, me being a teacher, we're like, oh, well, if you guys are going to put your kids in, okay, I think I can, I can do this too. Okay. I have trust in this. I think, I mean, there's no greater love than, than what our parents have for their kids and they only want the best for them. And that's why I really feel like as educators, when I ran the dual language program at my previous school, it was my job to like, give them the entire picture and help them understand, like give them that piece. But as soon as I would say, well, what if my daughter's or my daughter's already gone through the program mm -hmm. and she's doing great. And my son is in the program. They would go, oh yeah. Okay. Done deal. I got it. Yeah. You're going to choose it for your kids. I'm in. I trust so I think there is that like, yeah, we, we as educators need to commit. Like we, if we believe in this, we believe in this, then we need our own kids to be in it as mm -hmm. well. So yeah, I think that speaks for itself. Right. Right. And if we hear your your kids speaking Spanish mm -hmm. yeah. and they also speak beautiful English, then exactly. Wait, and I think I've told you this before. I often take those parents to a fifth grade classroom. Let them see, mm -hmm. let them see that opt-in kiddo that has no Spanish speaking family members at home, fluently speak Spanish and write an essay in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And then our Spanish speaker turn around and answer um, a, a question in English with academic vocabulary without an accent. And then they go, oh, oh, this is the norm. And I say, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, it really does uh, speak for itself. The kids are incredible. It's amazing. I think it also opens up a little bit of diverse in their lives, right? Like they, oh, they yeah. learn to work, to just collaborate and and, mm -hmm. and work with other students that are, that may be so different from them. Yes. That may not speak the language that they primarily speak, mm -hmm. but they, this is the, the kind of thing that you're going to be approaching in the world. And yes. it's good for them to be to be collaborating with students and taking it upon themselves to, oh, I'm going to teach my friend. I'm going to help them yeah. out, right? And That's and so true. They know the yeah. program, right? They work yeah. together and they help each other out. And, you know, my son's in first grade with me here at Blue Bonnet, and he um, often tells me about, they pair them, right? So they have a bilingual partner. And mm -hmm. so that will be a Spanish dominant student and he would be the English dominant student. And he talks about how they work together and they use all of his words plus all of his partner's words to figure out problems and to, you know, and so he says, sometimes I'm more of a helper in the English time and he's more of a helper in the Spanish time. And I love that we're seeing value in what everyone brings to the classroom. It's not, oh, you're the exactly. English speaker. So you're the one that knows more. No, I'm in dual language in first grade. Actually, there's more Spanish time. So actually mm -hmm. he's leaning on his, his bilingual partner quite a bit. And that's just such a beautiful mm -hmm. thing for kids to learn that everyone has talents and brings value to um to what we're working on. And um, I think that really does um, put them on the right track to, to, you know, opening their minds, opening their minds to different cultures, to different people, to different families, mm -hmm. socioeconomic backgrounds, all of those things that just um, really will help them in the future to be more well-rounded. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. No, I mean, this is such a beautiful program. So mm -hmm. what would you tell a parent that believes, oh, like their child already speaks English, so they have no need to learn mm -hmm. a second language or even the parents who, like you said, speak Spanish, but they focus on teaching their kids mm -hmm. English and not allowing them the opportunity to, to speak Spanish for fear, right, of um, them not learning the language. So what would what would you tell them um, and how would you persuade them into the importance of a bilingual education? Yeah. So normally I, I do, I mean, I think it's important to see the actual data. So Thomas and Collier are like the most well-known of the dual language researchers because they've done case studies all over the world. So not just in America, but in Canada, in Europe, and they've done it for not just Spanish and English, but French and English, you know, different languages. And so I think it, it's really important that they see that no matter what, 
over time. So there's, you know, there's a little bit of a of an increase, but once they get to middle school and high school, those test scores, and it's not just STAR, we're talking SATs, ACTs, you know, tests that are taken in different countries, they outscore their monolingual peers over and over and over again. And as you and I know, when you know two languages, you have more Latin roots, you have more prefixes, you have more suffixes, all of those things that add to our like global um, information, right? Like all of the things we know. So when I hear the word culpable in English, it's a pretty high level word, but I know culpable in Spanish, right? And I know that's actually not like our kids know that word. It means guilty, right? And so I'm able to take an SAT test and see the word culpable in English. I'm able to connect it with the word I know in Spanish or maybe mm -hmm. a root word, right? And so those things that our kids develop, even not, they're not even aware of it, right? Are gonna help them later on in life. And so knowing that dual language programs, not only are they great for them because they're being uh, exposed to more cultures, more um, information, um, but also it actually <laughs> grows the brain. We're using more of the brain. So it increases cognitive thinking, right? So it's effective in test scores. If that's important to parents, that's not always important. Personally, for me, it wasn't that important for me that my daughter performed high in a test. I wanted her to be able to speak Spanish with her grandparents. Mm -hmm. Her dad's parents speak Spanish, are from Piedras Negras, and I think it's important, her being half Hispanic, that she can communicate in, she's half Mexican. I want her to be able to speak the language that is of her dad's culture, and I love that she can do that now. She can travel with them, she can speak to them in English or in Spanish, and I think that's super important. But a lot of parents do think about, okay, what's better for my child's brain development or their cognitive development, right? Also, their critical thinking. It's proven over and over again that our bilingual students are able to critically think at a higher level than our monolingual students. So that's mm -hmm. important in any job they go into. So I think if we're talking about academic achievement, cultural awareness, cognitive thinking, yeah, all of those things, dual language is, is proven to be successful for those kids. But when we think, think about our families um, that maybe are not or don't wanna choose dual language because of the fear of them not learning English, that I would think mm -hmm. is, a, is a bigger um, stumbling block right now. So because we have families that experience bilingual education and ESL in a completely different manner, most of them experience it themselves and they don't want that for their kids. They don't want their kids to be separated, right? Mm -hmm. And put, put in a classroom with only Spanish speaking kids because they're afraid they won't learn English and they know that that is important, right? And so when I have to ha tell them, please trust in us that we're going to develop their Spanish, and add in the English little by little, year by year, right? Mm -hmm. That is, I'm asking a lot of them. I'm saying, don't just trust me for a month, trust me for like six years. And I, I get that. That's the a lot. Education of my child. Yeah, <laughs> right? I'm saying, yeah, it's not like, okay, I, I need you to trust this entire, because the program works from K to fifth grade, right? We're looking for fifth grade to be bilingual, biliterate, but we do increase the English every year. And so sometimes parents say, no, I want them in English immersion right now. And so I have yeah. to explain to them how that works and how the brain works. And if we develop that really strong base in their native language in Spanish and then add in the English, they're able to make connections faster, right? And so they're going to have a stronger base in Spanish and then the English is going to even be stronger. And when I can explain that to them in a way that makes sense, usually they're like, okay, I got it. If, I, if they have the strong Spanish, the English will be easier for them to grasp. Um, and then I take them to the classrooms. I think that's the easiest way. Like come see kids. Even by the end of first grade, our, our Spanish speaking students are easily speaking English with their peers because they have English models in the classroom. I think the old model of separating 
all of our native Spanish speakers in their own classroom and giving them English language support didn't work as well because our kids are naturally social beings. We all are, right? And they wanna to talk to their friends. Well, if some, let's say almost half of their friends in class are English speaking, there's going to be times when we speak in English and there's gonna be times we speak in Spanish. And when we go to recess, it's Spanglish. And so they're getting exposed to English all the time in a social, not just academic, right? But a social manner. And so those kids are picking up English like crazy and they're picking up academic English as well. And so once they see, okay, here's the big picture, here's our plan, now come see these kiddos in action, I usually can get parents um, on board. I also wanna remind them that like, yes, I know they can maintain the Spanish at home. I know parents will tell me that all the time. We'll speak Spanish at home, we'll take care of Spanish. But are they gonna be writing essays? Are they gonna be reading books? Are they gonna be you know, learning how to spell all of these words? I want them to be successful in Spanish so that they can take high level Spanish in middle school and high school and to get college credit. And when we do them the disservice of not reading and writing in Spanish all those years, they don't have as much success on the AP test because they do have to listen, speak, read and write. And our native speakers can listen and speak really well on the AP test, but mm -hmm. coming from me teaching high school and having native speakers in my class, if they have never written an essay or read a newspaper article or that higher levels, um, you know, reading um, novels, things like that, they struggle. Um, so I really try to help my parents understand, like, let's give them a solid base here and they're going to be even more successful later on in Spanish as well. So, um, you know, it, it, it's helpful to know that they can take those college level courses in, in high school. And some are offering in middle school now for all of our dual language students. Mm -hmm. They're able to get high school credit in fifth grade on the Apple test. So, I mean, the benefits of being in the program for our native speakers are just endless. Um, and I think in that way, parents go, okay, all right, maybe this is the best choice for my child. So at least I hope so. I hope they will consider it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it, you really do a really great job of explaining it because it is a little bit scary, right? Like, oh, trust mm, you, yeah. I'll see in fifth yeah. grade. Like, by then it'll be a little too late if it didn't yes. work out. Exactly. The fifth graders, right? I know. I remember you showing us a video of, of two fifth graders having a conversation uh -huh. in Spanish, and it, and it was really it, it was encouraging to see. I was yeah. like, oh yes, this is what I want my child doing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then the other side is also that's very true. If I only learned Spanish from home, and then when it was time to write an essay, is uh -huh. I don't know where an acento goes. I still right. struggle with that. Thank God for Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I need all the help I can get when I have to write Spanish. And yeah. had I had an opportunity like this to learn both languages and mm -hmm. learn the, the higher level of, of both of, of Spanish as well, it, you know, it would be, it would have been helpful. <laughs> right. Yeah. For sure. When talking to parents at the preschool I previously directed, where I had the pleasure of meeting you, parents often expressed a concern that being immersed in a second language could further delay the language development in their child especially in those children who already who are already struggling with their first language. What could you say to those parents to ease their mind or persuade them? Yeah, this is a, a very common question. Um, parents are very concerned about overwhelming a young child with two languages. I often try to remind people that 60% of the world is bilingual, trilingual, or more. Um, 60%. Like we're the minority when it comes to having just the one language, right? Language is um, so, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most people in Europe speak speak from a baby two mm -hmm. languages. You know, when I worked in Spain, um, 
I, I worked near Barcelona and all the children spoke Catalan and Spanish mm -hmm. and no one was ever worried about them. Um, so I do want to remind parents like this is actually how most people function in the world. But then I and, and if you of course all the research um, tells us that yes, children often have delays and sometimes children that are exposed to two languages might have a few months delay. We're talking from when they're first starting their words because they may be sorting out their language systems. Mm -hmm. But it's not actually a speech delay. It's a silent period. So the brain often, if it's absorbing lots of input and it's getting it in two different, we call them systems, right? So we've got English and Spanish coming at me. The brain might want to wait and kind of sort out, wait, I hear mom say these words and dad say these words. So when am I gonna use these? And so often we'll see a, a slight silent period, but it's not actually a speech delay. Speech delays can happen in bilingual children as well as monolingual children. And that is completely separate from being exposed to two languages. I also try to remind parents that, that learning two languages is just, it's learning information, right? So if I'm teaching my child the numbers one through 10, I would never say, I don't wanna teach them more than one through 10 because they might get confused. We would never say that. We wouldn't limit knowledge for our children because we're afraid it might confuse them. So when I start teaching them 11 through 20, will they maybe mix them up? Well, maybe. Because 11 and one, maybe they'll mix them up, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to teach them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to expose them. And then, of course, with practice, they will master it, just like our kids will when they're exposed to two languages. My own son, as you know, when he was at your school, often mixed those languages together. And I loved it because to me, that meant that his brain was accepting input from both of those languages and trying them out. And he's going to see, does this work in this system? Does this work? And of course, over time, how many adults do we know that are still not sure what language they're speaking? None. They, we all sort it out. <laughs> we figure out, oh, okay, this word I use in this situation, this word I use in this situation. It's even when we think about jargon in English, there's certain words I use at work and different words I use at home. Our mm -hmm. kids are going through that same process of sorting out, when am I going to use these words and when am I going to use these words? And the nice thing about them being so young, if they don't have the filter that we have as adults of being afraid to look silly or say something that might embarrass us, they just try it out. They're little sponges and they just try it out. Let's see what happens because they don't have that fear yet. They don't have that filter up, you know? That's why we, we love for our kids to start right when they start school. Because even when I was teaching middle school and high school, our kids were able to learn languages. That wasn't the concern, but there was that peer pressure of, oh, I like that girl. I don't want to sound silly. Or, oh, that's my best friend over there. He's going to laugh at me if my accent isn't right. And so that silent period was longer than it is with our kindergartners who are like, I'll try it. Sure. <laughs> Why not? My teacher likes it when I speak Spanish. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, it's those kind of things that I think, okay, our kids deserve the right to be exposed to languages right away as soon as possible because they are incredible at it. And I just love to watch them bloom. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And not underestimate them, right? I mean, right. they exactly. are so bright. And the connections that they make yes. are just mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> have a yeah. thing or two to teach us instead. <laughs> you know, I think there is a mindset of um, a lot of Americans that learning a second language is, is like so hard that it's going to take away um, space in our brain for English or that there's not enough in a space for both languages. It's just not the case. It's, it, you know, and over and over again, we've proven that. 
But I know that a lot of people took a few years in high school and then they never used it again. And they were like, well, I, you know, I wasn't able to learn Spanish. Um, and how is my little kiddo going to be able to do it and still be able to learn English? And it's just taught in a different way. It's not taught like it is in high school. We're going to learn our grammar rules and then we're going to practice it. Our kids are just exposed to it over and over and over again in very natural ways. And we allow that space for the silent period. So when they first enter, they might not want to say, um, hola, buenos dias. But we teach them, when I say hola, buenos dias, if you're not ready to say that, maybe you wave. Or when I say, ¿Quién tiene um, pantalones rojos? And you don't want to say, yo tengo pantalones rojos. You could say, thumbs up, if you say yes. And we give them that chance to participate without feeling like it's too risky at first until they're ready, you know? And so giving them that, that ways, to, ways to react or to respond that feels safe until they're ready to try out their second language really allows for that that safe environment so that they can grow and, and you know take in enough language until they're confident to, to speak so right. really and then the words just kind of come out and they, they just come yeah yeah <laughs> they don't even realize yeah my son does it all the time he doesn't even realize he's speaking <laughs> spanish because it's the words they use every day in their classroom you know mm -hmm. i mean exactly. he says parque and recreo like he'll tell me all the time like well today when i was at recreo or and he says when we play policia and that's <laughs> when they play like cops and robbers, he says they, uh -huh. they call it policia. Yeah, so those things, he doesn't even know how to say it in English because for him, that's the word they use. So, mm -hmm. you know, I love that. I love it. It's just automatic to him. He doesn't have to think about it. And I think that, that that's a good um, segue into the next question. Can you tell mm -hmm. me the difference if um, between, and I know you've gone a little bit into this, between yeah. having an ESL program and having a dual language yeah. program, and of yeah. course the benefits of, of yeah. the dual language program. Yeah, so um, dual language two-way programs are, are pretty new. Um, in our district in Round Rock, which we piloted, um, I believe the, the oldest program is probably only 11 to 12 years old. So it's pretty new. Before that, we had ESL programs and we had bilingual programs. So if a student comes to and, and they're enrolled and the parent says they fill out a home language survey, they say at home we speak Spanish and they could say Spanish and English, but if Spanish is, or any other language other than English is on that home language survey, they're immediately flagged as, okay, we need to test this child to see if they're fluent in English. So we have a test that we use. Um, and when they're tested, if they're not fluent in English, they're like, they are labeled an English learner. Um, I choose to use that over our old word was limited English proficient. And we've chosen to not use that because it's very, um, we're, we're saying that they're, that, that they're limited instead of that they're growing. It's just a negative connotation. So mm -hmm. dual language educators now use English learner because they are in the process of English learner, le learning English. And then our opt-ins, that means they've chosen to be in the program we call them Spanish learners, right? So they're learning Spanish. And then we also have kids like yours that came to us already fluent in both. And we call them simultaneous bilinguals. So our English learners, our kids that were, were not considered fluent in English, um, we gave the parent the choice to put them in a program where they're getting a teacher that is certified to teach students that are learning English. They didn't always speak Spanish, but they ha had the instructional background to teach kids how to, um, be, become fluent in English, those language skills, right? And usually that classroom had extra time um, to spend on 
developing the vocabulary, developing um, you know the the background that they need to be successful on on their level their level T because they're still learning on level curriculum. But mm -hmm. the problem was they were losing their Spanish and they were being I, I shouldn't use the word segregated because it wasn't on purpose, but they were being put all together in one classroom, right? Mm -hmm. And so they weren't being exposed to native speakers. Mm -hmm. So not only do they not have peer models, but they also are in classrooms with all kids that have Spanish as their native language. So naturally, human brain, if you and I are most easy language to communicate is English, we will naturally go to English, right? Mm -hmm. And teachers were trying to fight this. No, I mean, for them, they were naturally speaking Spanish. So teachers were saying, no Spanish, we got to practice our English, we got to practice our English. Well, these kids are like, he's my neighbor, that's my cousin. Like, we speak Spanish to each other. That, and, you know, it was a lot of like, no, no Spanish in here. No, we're not doing that. And it was becoming like punitive when it's human nature to speak the language that is natural between two people. And so we were seeing that they weren't leaving that program successful. When I say we, I mean the educational system, not me or the district. And so there became, they started reforming it. Like, what can we do? Well, parents started denying program and putting them into English. And that's where we saw a big, um, trend of like nope parents learned deny services and they go into english because they were actually doing better in those classrooms sadly without a certified teacher to help them but they were around peers that spoke english and it was a little more of a sink or swim but they were at least um being pushed to speak more english and so i think when they began began the reform it was first okay we're going to do one-way dual language and one-way dual language is where we're going to support them in their Spanish. Everyone's going to have a strong Spanish base. The teacher is going to be bilingual certified. And then we're going to add in the English. And that was successful. Okay. It was enriching. We weren't taking away with their Spanish. We were honoring their culture and their language. All of a sudden it's like, no, you're not being punished for speaking Spanish. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to add the English to it. You're going to keep your Spanish. And then we saw, oh, wait, let's put some English peers in there. And now we'll benefit not only our Spanish speakers because they have English peers in there to speak with and to practice with, but also our English peers can learn Spanish. And so once they started opening it up to opting in students, the program really took off. Um, and now we see it's growing, you know, it's on 12 campuses here in Round Rock. It's growing to other smaller districts as well, because we're seeing the benefits. Not only are they coming out with high school credit out of dual language, but they have, you know, they've been exposed to many cultures. They are fully bilingual, biliterate, and they have friends of all different backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, and they're successful and happy, even most important, right? They're like proud of who they are. Mm -hmm. And that is the difference. You know, I taught middle school ESL and those kiddos came to me feeling already like, I don't have enough English. I'm not successful in class. I, I don't have friends that go to my school. I stay with just my little group. It, it was, I needed to get them integrated in, you know? And dual language is the best way to mix those two worlds in the most beautiful way for both groups, right? It's just, mm -hmm. um, I wish that we had started it when I was young, because I would have loved to have been a part of it. Um, but I'm glad that we've gotten to where we are now, for sure. Yeah, so it's a great, instead of separating the groups, you're really mm -hmm. integrating them. Exactly. And, right, and you're just bringing the whole community together, and right, it's just exactly. a better practice. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And everyone wins. It's, it's, you know, everyone gets something out of it. And it's just great. And to see, um, I think, to see our, our bilingual kids feel like 
they have even more is the difference for me. When I started out in 2002, they felt like they were less than, mm-hmm. or we don't have as much English. We have to be in a separate class. You know, we're, we're trying to get out of this class and into those English classes. It was this like, if I could just pass this English test, then I could get over into that class and be with everybody else. And that's not how it is anymore. Now it's, we don't have enough spots. You're going to have to you know, sign up and there's a wait list and we will see if we can get you in. I mean, what an amazing shift, right? That's yes. what we want. Yes. It's, awesome. it's, a, yeah. it's a privilege to, to have a spot in the dual language program. Yes. And I do remember parents coming yeah. to me no at kidding. school mm-hmm. saying, can you help us get into the dual language program? Yeah. Like who do we connect with? And just connecting them with, um, with, with dual yeah. language um, programs at their, at their elementary schools, because they want mm-hmm. the child to continue with that, yes. with that education. So yeah. that is definitely a really positive look and, and it's just a better look for, for bilingual education mm-hmm. overall. Right. Yeah. So tell us what you see in your fifth mm-hmm. graders that have been through the dual language program for the entirety of their elementary school years that you are most proud of. What is it that you that you showcase to the parents that come to learn about the program? Yeah. So when I switched from teaching senior Spanish for AP to fifth grade, that was my first year leaving high school and going uh, back into elementary here in Round Rock because I wanted my daughter in the dual language program here in Round Rock. So I moved to a dual language campus and got a job there and it was in fifth grade. And wow, what a change. I had only taught in bilingual classes before, which were that old model. And I'd been Mm -hmm. in middle school and high school for so long. When I came back, I was was blown away. So my first year, I, I, as a fifth grade dual language teacher here in Round Rock, I asked my students to write a speech and I wanted them to write it in whatever their second language was. So if they were an English speaker, they wrote in Spanish. If they're a Spanish speaker, they wrote in English. And then present that speech to their parents and all their classmates at fifth grade graduation. So I'm thinking an adult would be intimidated by that, right? Like giving a speech is scary. But I told the kids I really wanted their parents to be blown away. And I knew they would be, right? And I didn't think I would be so blown away. But I told them. I'll help you, I'll prove freedom, but don't read it to me because I really want the reaction. Like I want my reaction to when, when you read it in front of in front of the whole audience. Mm-hmm. So they all wrote about their goals or their dreams of their future. Um, I can't remember the exact prompt, but it was you know basically like what they were hoping for themselves in the future. Mm-hmm. And um, they every single one of them stood up on that stage, proudly read their speeches in their second language, no accent noticed. They all sounded like native speakers in their second language the parents were crying. I was bawling. I was so proud. I mean, to see kiddos write a speech that to me seemed at a high school level mm-hmm. um, and then be able to present it and read it out loud without any, nobody, nobody was afraid. Nobody felt like they couldn't do it. They stood up on that podium. They read it out loud. Every single one of them got a round of applause. It was the most beautiful thing. So I know you know, that to me, I think giving speeches, public speaking is always such a scary thing, but yeah. wow, and what an amazing thing language, to think. I mean, yeah. Of a 10 year old, 11 year old giving a speech in their second language. Yeah. It's, that's just amazing. Um, and it was something I. Future precedent and board leaders. Yes. Right there. <laughs> I mean, if you can do that in elementary school, wow, your future looks amazing. You know? Right. So, that was, that was probably my favorite, favorite moment of, of fifth grade. But I will tell you going into, I go into fifth grade dual language classrooms every day and seeing them switch in and out of languages is always impressive because my, 
I, I still, you know, I've been speaking Spanish a long time, longer than these kids have been alive, but still takes me a second to like, okay, all right, I'm going into Spanish mode, English mode. These mm -hmm. kids, it's in and out. I can just switch just like that because, and they'll tell, I'll say, well, which one do you prefer? Either one, like they'll tell me all the time, either one, you can speak to me in whatever language you want. You can give me paper in whatever language you want. It's truly the same to them because they have been around both for so long that they're like, eh, didn't matter. And I just love that. I love that they can handle both languages and it's no big deal to them, you know? And they, they're they like, all of my peers are bilingual. What's the big deal? Why are y'all making such a big deal out of this? This is yeah. how it is around here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right. <laughs> it's just casual. Everyone's oh, bilingual. Yeah. Bilingual around yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, Blue Bonnet, most of us are, you know, our specials, a lot of our specials teachers are bilingual and our admin. So, I mean, to them, it is like, well, yeah, that's part of, being at school, got to be bilingual. So mm -hmm. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And does it create a bond between everyone? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then just giving the value to Spanish, showing that it is valuable. You know, it's not something we're pushing away and trying to get rid of. So right. I, I mean, how many jobs out there? They're always asking yeah. for bilingual. We need you to be bilingual. It's it's just yeah. more than one language in, in a country, in any country, one more than mm -hmm. language, one language is spoken. So we do yeah. need to have that it's as part of our um, you know, if we want to to be, you know, have jobs. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. Well, what is the funniest thing a student has said or the funniest things that you've heard from students while trying to translate to or speak in their non-native language? Um, yeah. So I think the fun thing about our kids learning two languages at once, and so many of them are simultaneous bilinguals, so they're getting that English and Spanish daily, right? Mm -hmm. um, is that they, they code switch or they mix their systems. So for example, they learn things like, I know that I put ing on the end of verbs in English to say that I'm presently doing it. So like I am running. Well, they'll they'll apply that rule to Spanish. So um, estoy planching. I'm plan I'm planching or I'm I'm ironing right or like um, I'm I'm escribing. I'm escribing. So escribir to write and they want to say I'm escribing or they also often use like escribir and they want to cut off the ir and they'll say uh, should I scribe that. And it's funny that I know that they're actually using their Spanish, but then I tell them scribe is actually a word in English, right? It's an advanced vocabulary word. And they're like, oh, cool. So it's funny when they'll go, I will ascribe um, my, you know, my, my name on this. And I'll go, well, actually scribe is a word. It just means like how they used to write on old stones and things like that. And they're like, oh, cool. So, you know, sometimes the little code switching they do is really interesting. Another thing is combining English and Spanish words to make a new word. So my own son, when he was little, he would say socatines, so like socks and calcetines and put it together and make socatines. Um, I know. And when he stopped him, it's kind of sad. It's so cute. And then avocates, so aguacates, avocados, and put it together and make avocates. That's cute. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they'll, uh, you know, some Spanglish. So they'll take um, an English word and make it a Spanish verb, like uh, taguear, tag. I'm going to tag you, right? So voy a taguearte. I'm going to tag you at, at playground or like Shootala. So that when they play basketball, shootala, shoot the ball. <laughs> and so they're just taking English words and putting them into Spanish grammar uh, context, which if you think about it, is pretty advanced that they're doing that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really neat to see it. But sometimes I have to go, huh? What? What are you saying? You mm -hmm. know, um, puchar, that's a very common one. Mm -hmm. Voy a pucharte or él está puchándome, pushing me. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then this one caught me off guard. It took me a long time to figure it out. Um, you'll probably know it though. Um, and it's when kids would say, conflis, conflis, quiero conflis. And I was like, what are conflis? Cornflakes? And they were saying cornflakes, but they were applying it to all kinds of cereal, right? So they're like, quiero conflis de tricks or like conflis de, you know, whatever, uh, whatever kind of cereal. They often have cereal here at school, the cinnamon toast crunch. And I was like, what are conflis? And it's so funny. The kids are like cereal. And I'm like, what? And I couldn't figure out how conflis sounded like cereal or cereal. cereal. And then it I was like cornflakes. I see. I see. It was me <laughs> watching a Spanish. Uh, I think I was watching a telenovela or something uh-huh. on Netflix. And they used conflis in the show. And I was like, oh, oh. I get it. Cornflakes. <laughs> so anyway, those are always fun. Um, and it's always fun for us as teachers to try to sort out what they're talking about. And when they write even more, because <laughs> they write phonetically. So often when they are first learning to write in English, they'll use their Spanish phonics, right? So they're using their Spanish sounds to write in English. And um, and it's fun to, to sort that all out. But, you know, it, it's just part of being bilingual. We all do it. And, uh, you know. Uh, it's really cute to to see them do that, and we have a good laugh about it. We love to share stories, all of us teachers, about our our Spanglish adventures. <laughs> right. I think there's like endless amount of stories to tell. With, yes, especially yeah. I mean, kids in general just say the darnest things, right? But then they do. Um, when they're learning a second language, it just adds a little bit more interesting to the mix. For sure. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. I like when they guess too. They're always like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to guess at this word. My son last night, actually, I was like, at, at dinner, we tried to stay in Spanish. And mm-hmm. I was like, um, ¿Cómo se dice? And it was a can, a little Coke can. I was like, ¿Cómo se dice en español? He's like, con mucha confianza. He was like, super confident. He's like, cana, cana. I'm like, cana? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Lata. He's like, it ends with an A. It ends with an A. I knew it was that. <laughs> so cute. Like- Think yeah, I'll just guess. I'm just gonna guess at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I might be right. I might be. So yeah, kids. Well, you know, but comments. see, that's something. My daughter wouldn't. She she wouldn't take a guess. She because mm-hmm. she's 15. She doesn't want to look silly. So she would just be like, I don't know. So I love that when they're younger, they're just like, I'll give it a shot. Sure, let's see what happens. <laughs> right. Just the confidence is what matters. Yeah. Right. You might yeah. make me second second guess myself if you say confident enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> Definitely interesting. So um, one last question. If you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing, what would that be and why? You know, um, as of actually just this past year with COVID and everything like that, I've really kind of reflected on like, where can my gifts be used and where can I flourish? And I, I wish I could go back and tell myself, stop worrying about climbing the ladder and where I can I make more money or what's the next promotion I can get. Um, I spent a lot of time like cl- I want to climb up as fast as I can. And then I realized I stopped and realized I love being with kids. Mm-hmm. I need a job where I'm with kids every day. And that's like where I just grow myself, flourish and I'm mm-hmm. happy. I love my job. I love coming to work. Um, and I realized I, you know, I needed to slow down mm-hmm. and think about like where are my gifts best used? And, you know, I only have one chance to be on this planet and I really want to give as much as I can. And I think I'm, I'm in the right place. So I wish I'd told my younger self to stop worrying about all that stuff and just find where I can best serve others. And, and that's where I'll be happy and flourish the most. So would you um, enjoy the I've, most? I've found that place. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I mean, throughout this conversation, and especially when talking about your fifth graders or the silly things, yeah. today, I can see the smile on your face, yeah. huge smile on your face every time you talk about the kids. And that really hits a little bit of a sweet spot because I don't get to interact with kids as much anymore. And yeah. I understand where you're coming from because you do miss yeah. it. I think that they give you this special energy yes. and it doesn't matter how hard your day is you you go and you walk into a classroom and somebody greets you with a hug or a silly thing they said and it's just just forget about that that tough thing that's going on in your life right it's so true they fill they fill up my soul every day they really do it's awesome yes um <laughs> I, I just want to make a note for any parents that are listening out there that are interested in bilingual education please feel free to contact me or if you're in a different district reach out to your bilingual coordinator. Usually that's at the, the district level, the central office, mm -hmm. and they can connect you with schools that have openings. Um, they can let you know what the numbers look like because there are schools that have a greater need, some that don't have as much of a need for opt-in students to enroll. And I would hate for you to miss out on that. Um, they often take transfers if there's an opening and they have a need for opt-ins because it benefits not only your child, but also the students that are currently enrolled that are Spanish speaking at their school. So please, if you're interested, um, reach out and find out more. Exactly. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to listen to this and say, yes, I want my children to be in the dual language program and I enjoy it so. as much as you and your family has enjoyed it. And my kids benefited from it so much as well. Um, so it's been really great having you. I've enjoyed our conversation. I know that we share this passion for education and just for bilingual minds. Um, I think they're beautiful minds, <laughs> um, in mm -hmm. my opinion. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, and yes, I'm hoping, that I'm, I'm sure parents will be reaching out and we will, you know, we'll be here if anybody has questions as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Liliana. It was great chatting with you.